Okay, let's continue the verses. Ayah number 44. The Bani Israel, they're further addressed. أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِّ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ The Bani Israel, especially their scholars now, they're being addressed, that do you order righteousness to the people and forget yourselves while you recite the scripture? Will you not reason then? أَتَأْمُرُونَ تَأْمُرُونَ Hamza Mim Ra Amr. And Amr is to command, to order. So Atamuruna, do you all order? Do you all give instruction? To who? To Anasa people. You order the people to do what? Bil birri with the piety. Bir ba ra ra. Bir is used for good deeds, righteousness, piety. And from the same root is the word bar, barara, bar. Okay, from the same root, ra with the shadda on it, bar. And bar is used for land. Zahara al-fasadu fil barri wal bahri. Opposite of sea, so land. If you think about it, on a piece of land, on land in general, are there different, different types of plants, different types of trees, different shades of grass? different types of soil even. There's so much variety. So, bir is understood as good deeds, but not just of one kind, but a variety and many. So you tell the people to perform good deeds, not just one, not just two, but many. And you tell them to do different, different types of good deeds. Whereas at the same time, وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ And you forget yourselves. تَنْسَوْنَ نُونْ سِينْ يَا نَسِيَا Nisyan, to forget that a person knows about something but he forgets at that time. Or Nisyan is also used for ignoring because when you have forgotten something, you're not going to pay attention to it. When you're ignoring something, you're not going to pay attention to it. So Tansauna Anfusakum, you forget yourselves. And Anfus is a plural of Nafs. So in other words, you go on telling people to do good things but you yourselves don't do it. You tell other people to do good but you don't do it yourself. You don't practice what you preach. You say something else and you do something else. You say something else and you do something else. And we learned that the Bani Israel, this was something that was very common in them, especially amongst the religious folk, the religious people, their scholars. Because they had all the knowledge and they would tell the people, this is right, this is wrong, this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. But at the same time, they would do the worst of things. Are you all familiar with the story of Salman al-Farisi, how he converted? How he was in Persia, he was a fire worshipper as a child, and then he came across a group of Christians who were worshipping together. So he was very impressed by them, and he felt that that was the truth. So he left his family, he left his ways, and he went with those Christians, and he left Persia and went elsewhere so that he could practice Christianity with them. And he remained with one priest after another, after another. Why? In order to learn Christianity from them, in order to practice, in order to be a righteous man. And eventually, he was coming to Medina where he was sold as a slave to a Jewish man. Because he was going with a group of people. And why was he going to Medina? Because the last priest that he was with, he told him that you go to this land, you go to this city, because I believe that the last messenger is coming there very soon. The time has come. So this is why he was going there. 
So anyway, we learn about Salman al-Farisi that he said that while he was with one of the priests, he was learning from him and he was practicing you know, Christianity with him. He was close to him. This priest, what he would do is that he would tell people, give charity. And the people would bring charity. And you know what he would do with that money? He would hoard it. He would keep it with himself. And he would not give it to the rest of the people. The needy, the poor. And Salman al-Farisi saw that himself. And he knew that he was a corrupt man. So when this priest, when he died, when he passed away, the people were very sad and you know they were crying and everything. So Salman al-Farisi told them that look at this man. He was a priest, but you know what he did in reality? He commanded you to give charity, but he hoarded all that wealth. So this was something that was common amongst the Jewish leaders as well as the Christian leaders. Take the money and hold it with themselves. Has anyone read the poem, perhaps in school, Bishop Hatto? I remember as a child we learned about this poem, Bishop Hatto. He was a bishop and he would hoard wealth. And he hoarded so much wealth that people were hungry. They came to get money from him, to get food from him. He called them into a barn that come here, I'll give you food. And he set all of them on fire. He killed all of them. And then it is said that how so many rats, they came into his house and you know they ate him up alive. Anyway, it's a story. But it tells you about what they used to do. Because a story is a reflection of what happens. He was a bishop, not an ordinary man. So anyway, this was something that was common amongst the Jewish leaders as well as the Christian leaders, that they would tell people, do good, do good, do good. But at the same time, there were the worst criminals behind the doors, behind the scenes, the worst criminals. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reprimanding them over here, that you tell people to do good and you forget to do good yourselves, anfusakum, as if you don't need to do good. And what do you call this kind of attitude? Hypocrisy, being double-faced. And this kind of attitude Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. Because this attitude is of what? Deception. That a person is deceiving other people. He's trying to deceive Allah. But in reality, who does he deceive? Himself. anfusakum. And we learned that at the time of the Prophet wasallam as well, there was a young child who was Jewish, and he used to serve the Prophet wasallam. You can think of it like a servant. Okay? Perhaps he was hired, or for whatever reason, he would come and work for the Prophet wasallam. So this boy, he became extremely ill and he was at the verge of dying. So when he was at the verge of dying, the Prophet ﷺ went to see him. And the Prophet ﷺ urged him at that time, believe, just say, La ilaha illallah, believe. And the boy was a little hesitant because his father, who was also Jewish obviously, was standing next to him. So the child, the boy, he looked at his father as if seeking his approval and the father told him, أَطِعْ أَبَلْ Qasim. Obey Abul Qasim, meaning the Prophet ﷺ, obey him and believe. So the boy, he said the kalima, he pronounced the kalima, he became a believer, and then he passed away. So the Prophet ﷺ was very happy that he was able to save one person from the hellfire. What do we see in the story? That the father himself does not believe, but what is he telling his child? Believe. So you tell people to do good, but you don't do it yourselves. What is this hypocrisy? What are these double standards? And you're not doing this out of ignorance. Allah says, وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ And you recite the scripture. تَتْلُونَ تَتْلُونَ تَلَامْ And tilawa is recitation. And this word is specifically used for the reading, the recitation of divine scriptures. Because the way divine scriptures are read, the way they are recited, other texts are not read like that. The way you read the Qur'an, do you read other texts like that as well? 
Do you? No. We say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Do we say, All praises to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. We don't do that. And we don't focus on every letter that it has to be pronounced properly and correctly and you have to pause at the right places. No. But when you're reading the Qur'an, you read it with tilawa. So tilawa is different from qira'a. Qira'a is just reading. But tilawa is recitation that is only for divine scriptures. Okay? So, وَأَنْتُمْ And you all, تَتْلُونَ kitab. You read the book, you recite the book. Which book is this? The Torah. The scripture that they had. So in other words, you are knowledgeable. You are knowledgeable. You know the deen. You know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. You are more knowledgeable than the rest of the people. But despite having more knowledge, you do less. You tell people to do good, but you don't do it yourself. And you have more knowledge than them. So the rest of the people, they would be in a way better than you. They don't know much, but at least they do something. You know so much, but you do nothing? What does it show to us? That the state of an alim who is ghair amil, meaning a knowledgeable person, who is ghair amil, meaning who doesn't do much action, who doesn't perform much, is worse, worse than a jahil person, than an ignorant person. We take a lot of pride in having a lot of knowledge. I've taken the fiqh courses, I've taken aqidah courses, I've taken ulum al-Qur'an courses, ulum al-Hadith courses. I'm trying to get my ijazah in this, my ijazah in that. I've studied this classical text, that classical text. We're very proud about these things. But we should look at our actions as well. Because we look down on other people who don't have much knowledge of the deen. But you know what? Even if they know less, perhaps they're doing more than you. So, وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ You read the book. If anyone is expected to do more, who is he? The one who knows more. But you don't do it. وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ Allah questions, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Do you not reason? Do you not use your mind? تَعْقِلُونَ عَيْنْ قَافْ لَامْ عَقْلْ Intellect. And عَقَلَ literally means to tie. To tie a knot. You may have heard of the hadith in which a man came with his camel and he did not tie the camel. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him that, what about your camel? He said, you know, I trust on Allah, that Allah will keep my camel here. The camel will not go anywhere. So what did the Prophet ﷺ say to him? I'qal watawakkal. I'qal, ain qafla, meaning tie the camel first and then trust on Allah. So aqala means what? To tie to join one thing with the other, to connect the two together. And if you think about it, aql, our reason, what does it do? It connects the dots. It connects the bits and pieces of information that you have all together. The information that a person has is not fragmented anymore, but rather he's able to join all of it together. This is what aql does. This is what intellect reasoning does. And also if you think about it, aql should connect knowledge with action. If a person has reason... He is thinking, then his knowledge should be connected with what? His action. Allah says, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Do you not use reason? Do you not use your mind? As if, what is wrong with you? You're telling people to do good and you do nothing yourselves? What do we learn in this ayah? About the foolishness and the evil nature of the person who tells other to do good, but he does not do it himself. And remember that this act is hated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates this action. 
Allah tells us in the Quran, لِمَ تَقُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ لِمَ تَقُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ Why do you say what you don't do? Why do you tell others to do something when you don't do it yourself? كَبُرَ مَقْتًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَن تَقُولُوا مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ Great is hatred with Allah. For what? That you say what you do not do. So when a person has this behavior, when a person does this, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates that action. كَبُرَ مَقْتًا He becomes very upset, very angry. And we see that this is something that is punishable even. This is a great crime. That you tell other people to do good, but you don't do it yourselves. How do we know? The Prophet ﷺ said, on the night of Mi'raj, I passed by some people whose lips were being cut with scissors made of fire. Because he was shown a lot of the unseen as well. And part of that was the punishments that are to be given to people and the rewards that are to be given to people. So on the night of the ascension, I passed by some people whose lips were being cut with scissors made of fire. So I said, who are you? I mean, what's going on? Why? Why is this punishment being given? And they replied, we used to command others to do good and refuse to do it ourselves. We used to forbid others from evil, but we did it ourselves. We told people do good, but we never did it ourselves. We told people don't do bad, but we did it ourselves. It's a great crime. A huge punishment. After death, before the day of judgment, and even after the day of judgment in hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ said, a man will be brought on the day of resurrection and he will be thrown into the fire. His intestines will fall out and he will continue to circle. Where? In the hellfire, pulling them behind him just as a donkey goes around a pole, walking round and round. So this is how he'll be running around in the hellfire with his intestines trailing behind him. And the people of the fire will go to that man and ask him, what happened to you? How come you're here? Did you not use to command us to do righteous deeds and forbid us from committing evil? You're the one who used to tell us do good and don't do evil. He will say, yes, I used to enjoin righteousness, but refrain from performing righteousness. And I used to forbid you to perform evil while I myself did it. I told you not to do bad and I did it myself. We should become very, very careful. Because as we are learning the deen, as we are increasing in our knowledge, many times it happens that we find other people making mistakes. And we tell them, don't do this. Don't listen to this. Don't watch that. Don't say this. Get up and pray. But at the same time, our actions contradict our words. Many times it happens that parents will tell their children, don't listen to music. Get up and pray salah. But at the same time, those parents, what are they doing? The same thing. An older sibling will tell a younger sibling, don't do this, don't do that. And they're doing it themselves. Double standards. And we see that children, they don't even listen anymore. Because your actions, they speak louder than words. Particularly, this is about religious matters. But it doesn't mean that we don't care about other things. Like for example, if you tell somebody, don't bother me, and then you go on bothering them. This is also not right. This is also having double standards. So we should become careful in our day-to-day matters and especially with regards to religious matters. وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ Seek help through patience and prayer. Is it difficult to do good? Is it? For example, we learned about iqamatu salah, establishing the prayer, which means that you pray at the right time, in the right way, giving it its proper due. Is it difficult to do that? Honestly, 
I'm asking you, is it difficult to pray salah properly? For most of us, it is a challenge. Because iqamat salah includes concentrating in prayer, fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in prayer. We tell other people, have khushu, have khushu. And there we are standing and all of a sudden we're thinking about what happened at the grocery store. That I should have bought that and left that. I should have cooked it this way and not that way. We're human beings, right? It happens. Similarly, we tell other people, or we make a promise with ourselves that we learned about the munafiqeen, that وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ And we make a promise with ourselves, never going to lie. I'm not going to break any promise, any commitment whatsoever. But we're human beings. You make a promise, you make a firm resolve, but then you slip. I'm not saying it's okay to do it, but I'm saying it happens without you even wanting it. Because many times it happens that when a person learns the deen, they're afraid to tell other people about it. Why? Because they're afraid that I'm not doing it myself perfectly, so how can I tell other people? Have you ever experienced that? The thing is that we are weak human beings. To do good, we have to strive. To stay away from wrong, again we have to strive. And we can never ever reach a level where we can say, yes, I am perfect now and I can tell other people. No, we can never ever reach that level. And if somebody claims that, they're lying. Or they are thinking wrong about themselves. They're being foolish. So we can never ever reach that level. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a solution over here. Seek help of Allah through patience and prayer. To do what? To do good. To stay away from evil. Because remember who is being addressed over here? The ulama of the Bani Israel. They're scholars. Are they being told that you should stop telling people to do good because you don't do it yourselves? No. Keep telling them and also do it yourself. Now how do you make sure you're doing it? Because you're weak as well. Seek Allah's help. وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ اسْتَعِينُوا عَيْن وَنُونَ We learned earlier, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ إِسْتَعَانَ يَسْتَعِينُوا is to seek help. عَيْن وَنُونَ Help. So seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to all of your affairs, but especially in the matters of the deen. Especially in the matters of the deen. How should you seek his help? By doing nothing? No. Bisabri, With patience. Wasalah And prayer. Sabr, sad, ba, ra. What does sabr mean? Can you describe patience to me? So for example, at a time of hardship, a person does not complain, but he has a positive attitude to be consistently hopeful, to be consistently positive, to be consistently staying away from bad. Any other way that you can describe patience? When you're extremely sad, still have faith and contentment in your heart that whatever Allah has decided is best for me. Do not lose temper. Sabr literally means habs nafs. Habs as in to control yourself. Self-control, in other words, is what? Sabr. And remember that sabr is in three ways. First of all, at times of hardship. When there is a difficulty that you're experiencing, what do you want to do? What does your nafs want to do? Scream, yell, cry, complain, give up. That's what we want to do. What is sabr at that time? Control yourself. Don't get angry. Don't start yelling. Don't start screaming. Don't show any negative reaction. This is what? Controlling yourself. Secondly, sabr is also over doing good. You're trying to do something good but it gets a bit challenging. So you say, I want to give up. No, sabr, keep doing it, keep doing it. 
For example, we learnt about joining relationships with their relatives. Is that a good deed? Yes, it's a good deed. Now, you're being nice to them. Every time you call your relative, they say something nasty to you. And you said, that's it, last phone call. Not calling them again. I've had enough. What is sabr at that time? Be consistent with that good deed. Be patient. Don't give up. Keep doing it. Thirdly, sabr is also in staying away from ma'asiyah, in staying away from acts of disobedience. For example, you tell yourself, I'm not going to listen to music. You make up your mind, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to listen again. But then you look at your iPod and you just happen to go on the playlist. And you just happen to go on a particular track and you want to hit play. What is sabr at that time? Hold yourself back. Don't hit play. Don't tap play. Sabr. Control yourself. Hold yourself back. So you understand what sabr is now? Primarily it is to hold yourself together, to control yourself at a time of difficulty, at the time when doing good, at the time when you attempt to do something wrong. So it is to stay firm in other words. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ You're trying to do good, seek help. How? By being patient. Don't give up. You're tempted to do something wrong, hold yourself back. Meaning you have to put in the effort. If you want to do good, you can't just do good like that. What do we want? You know that one day will come when my salah will become perfect. That one day will come when I will start praying regularly and properly. And I will have no difficulty. You know what? If you keep wishing for that one day, it will never come. You have to strive. You have to put in effort in order to get there. In order to become like that. Similarly, we think, one day will come when I will stop listening to music. When? How? Someday, a miracle will happen. You have to do sabr. You have to strive to get there. It won't happen just like that. Because Allah is telling us, seek help through patience. What do we do? Seek help by sitting on our hands. That's what we do. Whereas we're told, be patient. You have to do something. وَاسْتَعِينُوا sabri. And then secondly, وَاسْتَعِينُوا how else? وَالصَّلَاةِ And also through prayer. Meaning when you are in some difficulty, then ask Allah for help. Perform the salah and seek Allah's help. And we see that the way of the Prophet ﷺ was like this. That whenever he encountered any difficulty, he would run to pray. He would hasten to pray salah. And you can try it yourself as well. You're about to do something challenging, something difficult. Take time out to pray to nafil even. And the work will become much easier for you. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help will be there. You know, many times we say, yes, I make dua. Yes, I will pray. But we don't actually do it. We intend to, but we don't actually do it. You have to do it. And when you will do it, you will see the barakah. You will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. So, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ But Allah says, وَإِنَّهَا And indeed it. What does ha refer to? The salah. Indeed, the salah is لَكَبِيرَةٌ Kabira Kaf Bara Allahu Akbar What does it mean? Greatest. So great. Kabira, one that is great. وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ Indeed, it is very great. And what it means by great is that it's very heavy and burdensome and difficult. Meaning salah is very heavy on some people. It's very difficult for them to pray. Except for who? إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ Except for those people who have khushur. 
Khashirin is a plural of Khashir. Khashin from the word khushur. Have you heard of the word khushur? Al khushur fi salah? What does it mean by khushur? Khushur is basically humility, fear. It is such fear, genuine fear, that also affects your body. What does it mean by that? If a person is standing in prayer and he says, Ya, I fear Allah. I mean, he's thinking and he said, Yes, I'm supposed to be fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right now. But at the same time, he looks here, looks there, skips a surah, and then quickly goes down ruku, gets up quickly, does not perform the ruku or any part of the salah properly. Is that fear? Would you say that is fear? No. But if you ask them, do you have fear of Allah when praying? Perhaps they will say yes. What is khushur? Khushur is genuine fear. Real fear. Such fear that will also affect your body. That when you're standing, you don't stand up arrogantly, but you stand with like a bent posture, with your shoulders bent, with humility. And that your entire body is focused as well. Not that you're fixing your pants from here and you're fixing your shirt from there and you're moving and you're scratching and you are pulling and you're tugging and you're doing this and that. That's not khushur. So khashirin are who? Khashirin are those who when they pray, what is their focus? The greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They realize the greatness of the meeting that they're having at that time. The meeting with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person is meeting an ordinary person, how will his body language be? Very casual. But if a person is in a professional meeting, for example, he's being hired, he's being interviewed, how will he be in his body language? Very casual? No, he'll be very, very careful about how he picks up a thing, how he puts it down, and he will apologize at everything. So particular we become, because we realize the importance of that meeting. Similarly, Khashir is the one whose focus is what? Is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's afraid. Because of that, he is humble in his posture as well. So salah is very heavy, it is very difficult, except for who? The khashirin. And you will notice that. That when you are focused in prayer, prayer becomes much easier. But when you are distracted, that prayer becomes very, very long. Isn't it amazing that when in the month of Ramadan you go to the masjid to pray taraweeh, there are some people who are standing in the front rows and they pray from the first rakah to the last rakah. They don't skip any in the middle. At the same time, there are other kids standing at the back rows. Very difficult for them. Why? What's the difference? Is it just a difference in age? No, it's the difference in fear. One has fear of Allah, realizes that they need to pray. They need to beg Allah for forgiveness because they see the greatness of the crimes that they have committed. And there's another person who does not fear Allah, does not fear accountability in the hereafter, does not care much. So obviously there will be a difference in their actions. So, وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ What does this ayah show to us? What does it teach us? That whenever we are facing a difficulty, we have to do two things. Patience, don't give up. And secondly, prayer. Pray salah. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever tries to be patient, Allah makes him patient. Whoever tries to be patient, Allah makes him patient. You have to put in the effort. You stay firm, Allah will give you tawfiq. And when you pray, Allah will also help you. And then we also learn in this ayah that 
Good deeds are difficult to perform. Except for who? Those who fear Allah. When a person has fear of Allah, then performance of good deeds becomes easier for him. Who are Al-Khashi'een? How else does Allah describe them? They are Al-Ladheena. Those people who Yadhunnuna. They are certain. Yadhunnuna is from the root letters Dha, Noon, Noon. Dhan. There are some words in the Arabic language that give completely opposite meanings. What does it mean by that? That in certain contexts they will give one meaning and in another context they will give completely opposite meaning. Why? Because of certain other words that are coming with them. So for example, the word run, it means assumption, supposition, to assume something. But when the word run comes with anna, do you see anna over here? Yadununa annahum. When the word lan comes with anna, that it means to be certain, to be sure. So, الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ Those people who are certain that indeed they will. مُلَاقُوا رَبِّهِمْ مُلَاقُوا Is the plural of مُلَاقِن From the root letters, lam قَافِيَ لَقِيَ وَإِذَا لَقُوا الَّذِينَ لَقُوا They met. So, مُلَاقُوا Ones who will meet. They are certain that they are going to meet who? Rabbihim, their Lord. وَأَنَّهُمْ And indeed they, إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ To Him they will return. رَاجِعُونَ is a plural of رَاجِعُ رَاجِمْعِنْ رُجُوعُ And رُجُوعُ is to return, to go back. So those people who are certain that they are going to meet Allah, and they are certain that they are going back to Allah, وَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Those are the people who fear Allah. And those are the people who find salah easy. Do you see the connection between the two verses? That those who are certain of their meeting with Allah are the ones who are khashireen. And when they're khashireen, salah will be easier for them. Performing good will become easier for them. So, الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُوا رَبِّهِمْ وَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ And the thing is that when a person is certain about his meeting with Allah, that he is going to stand before Allah one day, and Allah is going to question him, is going to ask him about what he has done, then he becomes careful about every single meeting he has with his Lord. We meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala five times a day when we pray salah. Because salah is what? We're talking to Allah. We're praising Allah. We're glorifying Allah. We're seeking His help. We're seeking His protection. We're begging His forgiveness. We're talking to Allah. This is what salah is. So it's like a meeting. Before they have that final meeting with Allah, because they're very afraid of it, this is why they're conscious and careful about every single meeting before that. This is why they're afraid in their prayer. And this is why they concentrate in their prayer as well. الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُوا رَبِّهِمْ وَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ And the fact is that everybody has to leave one day. Nobody's staying in this world forever. Whether we prepare for that meeting or we don't prepare for that meeting. Are we going back to Allah? Yes, we are. Are we going to be asked? Are we going to be questioned? Yes. So we cannot ignore this reality. We can never be negligent about it. وَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ We listen to the recitation. أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِّ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ 
وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُوا رَبِّهِمْ وَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ When we know that we have to return to Allah, And if we are certain about the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what does it mean? What should we do? If we are going back to Allah, we are going to meet Him, He is going to question us, He is going to ask us, then what should we do today? Perform proper actions. Seek forgiveness. That whichever prayer we pray, we should make sure that we pray properly as if it's the last one. Basically, it means that we must have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when we know we are going to meet Him, we should be afraid. Think about it. If you have to go meet any important person, and وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى Just an example to understand the concept. If you have to meet somebody important, are you afraid? Yes, you are. Are you nervous? Yes, you are. You count down the days. 60 days, 59 days, 58 days, 57 days. Every single day you're worried. If you have an important interview... Aren't you worried? Aren't you afraid? Yes. So first of all, it means that we must have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, it means that we should become careful with respect to our actions. Because that meeting with Allah is not just for nothing. He is going to question us about our deed. He is going to inform us about what we have done and judge our eternal end based on that. So we should fear Allah with respect to what? Our actions. Secondly, we should be careful with respect to our actions. That Allah is going to ask us about what we have done. So what are we taking with ourselves? What are we taking with ourselves? Are we going with the bare minimum? Are we going with hardly anything? Are we going with deeds that have been nullified? Are we going with a load, a burden of sin? Or are we going with heaps of good deeds? What are we going with? What are we taking with ourselves? For example, when you go for a job interview, what do you take with you? Your portfolio. And your portfolio, what does it have? Just random things? Things that are not relevant? No, you take the best work that you have done. The best. And thirdly, it means that we must have haya of Allah. We must have shyness of Allah. That out of that haya, we should not be found doing what Allah does not like. And we should not be absent from doing what Allah likes. That we should have shyness of Allah. We're going to meet Him. So out of that embarrassment, that what am I going to take with me? We should be careful about what we do. 